Welcome to Ask the Chief Information Officer on federalnewsradio.com and 1500 AM. Now your host, Jason Miller. Welcome to the program. My guest today is Ken Rogers, the Acting Deputy CIO for Business Management and Planning at the State Department. Ken, welcome to the program. Well, thank you. Let's start with some basics. Uh, first of all, as the Acting Deputy CIO for Business Management and Planning, let's just talk about what your role is a little bit. Give me, give me the 50,000-foot view. My role is strategy, architecture, portfolio management, governance, strategic workforce planning, acquisitions. I think I got it all. So I do, I think and plan about IT. I actually don't implement it. But I make sure we have the, the out-year vision and, and the right roadmap to get us to where we need to be and the resources to, to make that happen. So what, what that means is I manage, I directly manage about a billion dollar IT budget for the CIO and I provide governance oversight, the capital planning investment control oversight of a $3 billion portfolio or two and a half to $3 billion IT portfolio department wide. All right, that's a great summation. Let me start, since you're in charge of the strategy side, the, the, the thinking side, let's just jump right in and talk a little bit about that strategy. IT modernization is one of those topics you can't get away from, right? Every conference, every CIO, every agency is, is under the gun. So maybe just talk a little bit about the Department of State's IT modernization strategy and maybe talk a little bit about how it's different than maybe in the past. Kind of in a nutshell, our strategy is really focused on moving away from buy, build, maintain to consuming IT as a service and really switching towards focusing on that customer experience. So that's kind of in a nutshell what we're, we're aiming to do over the next you know three to five years. Um, we have gone through a comprehensive review, analysis, fact-finding across the department in 17 and 18 to identify what we need to do in order to do IT differently at the department and, and a lot of that is pull back in a lot of the decentralized activity and centralize that in, in through a shared service process. It's a fundamental paradigm shift to how we have been doing IT over the past decade or so. One thing about the State Department, and, and as you mentioned, it's been decentralized for a long time. And, and that, to me, has been the, the biggest challenge. A lot of agencies have this, Interior, Agriculture Department. You're starting to see this as a trend. How are you guys going about that, moving from decentralized to centralized? Because, as you well know, nobody wants to stop hugging their server, as an analogy. Obviously, there's a need for a, a lot of our systems in terms of the design and development to be close to the mission of the organization. But in terms of consuming uh, commodity IT, how do we strengthen our service offering of infrastructure and platform to those business owners so so they don't have a huge heavy lift of basic stuff that should be commoditized, gain the cost savings, leverage those cost savings, and building into uh, those systems and services for the mission, great, greater richness, greater capabilities, and so forth. So, so that's kind of the primary way we're approaching it at this point. Uh, there still is a is a significant need for the business side of the organization to really understand what their what their business requirements are and how to best leverage those business requirements with modern technology. So in many ways, you're just trying to make technology, and I'll use the the analogy we've heard many times, like electricity, where they can just plug in and they'll play. So they can worry as much about okay, how do we meet the mission, not worry about what's the back-end infrastructure look like. Exactly. And is that the shared service side of it, too, where, hey, we're going to, and I'm obviously going to make this up a little bit, but we're going to have 
this series of clouds that you can access or this series of applications. Here's a big long list. Pick one that meets your needs, but don't go outside of the, this highway guard rail. We've really been at the cloud journey for the past eight years. We imp- implemented cloud as a as a strategy back in 2010, and and since then we've we've really seen our customers across the department kind of vote with their pocketbook. Which platforms work for them? How do they leverage that? What value proposition does it does it offer? So now we're really pivoting from cloud first thinking to an optimized cloud approach. How do we now increase the value proposition of cloud by optimizing what we're doing? And that really is delivering a, a secure infrastructure and platform to the department and pushing up our, our customers to that SaaS layer where they have a lighter lift. And a huge potential for cost savings, create efficiencies, remove some of the friction. One of the things we're really driving hard towards our enterprise licensing agreements, cloud service provider agreements. So for every initiative that we have, having to have that lead time of doing their own procurement really drives a lot of the modernization out year or two in the process. So how do we bring that back in, make those vehicles available to them, stand up a DevOps, a dev environment for our customers to really work through their requirements and then and then drive that towards a, a production environment. In many ways, what you're trying to do is remove the focus on that back end and say, hey, mission folks, just focus on what you need to do. We're going to stay out of your way. We're going to make things easy. We're going to remove, if you will, the complexity that has been there for so long. And and, and I think your comment of moving from cloud first to really cloud optimization is something that I'm hearing time and again from agencies across the government. Is is that kind of part of that evolution of cloud, you think? I think so. I, we're, of course, as a part of Hatara, looking at our data centers and data center optimization and consolidation. Over the past eight years, we've gone from tiptoeing into the cloud space to actually um, confronting cloud sprawl. So how do we get that value proposition back in by having elastic cloud environments we're scaling rather than sending up duplicative infrastructure environments because it, it does provide a value to the customer? So, yeah, I think we, we need to get to, to the place where we're really leveraging the value proposition of cloud. You bring up cloud sprawl. That's interesting because that was the big concern years ago. I remember people saying, well, let's not have the same thing happen like what we saw with kind of multiple data centers or multiple where, you know, every data center had, you know, 10 to 20 to 30 percent utilization. And people just instead of saying, well, let me better utilize what we have, but I'll just add another server. It's almost, it's, I, I know the cloud utilization is a little different, but it's that same concept of let me just add another cloud versus see what I can have access to. Has that been a difficult issue so far to address kind of that cloud sprawl? There, there's a very similar behavior pattern of my data center folks loving their blinking lights and their server racks. Um, I remember back when I was at DHS, my CISO going into a server room and hugging his, his trusted internet con- connection rack. And so we, we see that same thing happening with cloud. I can get to the cloud. I've got my infrastructure. I've, I, I can isolate my data. I can manage my environment. And I can, from that bureau perspective, limit some of my risk. I think the problem that creates is really at the data layer, where am I really getting the value proposition of my data when I'm isolating that data in one-off production environments and with various cloud service providers? So. This is a real opportunity to do real modernization, and I think one of the biggest value propositions out there when you move away from the cost piece is the data. What are we doing with our data? 
data we'll get to in a little bit later in the sure. show, I think. But let, let me just back up for a second. One of the things that, that I think the State Department is facing, I think a lot of agencies are facing, and, and I want to dig maybe a little deeper into the cloud sprawl issue. When you counted how many clouds, and we'll use this in quotes, right, for our audience that can't see us, the air quotes, how many did you find? And then how hard was that conversation to say, we have too many, how do we just reduce the number or at least consolidate them in some way the way we manage them maybe? So we haven't begun. We've, we've done the count. We, we have not started the consolidation. The, the initiative, taking a few steps back, the initiative in FY17 and 18 was to, was to acknowledge the current challenge that we have. So back in June of this year, the CIO published the, uh, the department's enterprise cloud strategy, really taking that, that, that goal in our 17 and 19 strategic plan of cloud first, that optimized cloud strategy, this is the how we're gonna do this to get that value proposition. So for the first time, the department now has a roadmap, if you will, to articulate to the department where we're going. So that was a first step and, and the cloud strategy was developed through my office in partnership with the bureaus across the department. Part of what my office runs is the investment review board and an advisory board that over oversees is that whole ego of governance across the department. So we vetted this across the department. We got input. We talked about the value proposition and you can't really consolidate until you have a place for them to go. So the first step in that process this year was to work on an acquisition strategy um, that lined up with a multi-vendor approach towards a cloud ecosystem at state. And, and it's, and really looking at what do we have and how do we leverage this? And then how do we secure those, this multi-cloud environment with, with the, some of the production stuff that's out there. So we really have a go-to strategy for our bureau customers. So they have a place to go. So in FY19, we'll be, we'll be really launching into how do we take that next step of consolidating all the one-off contracts that for cloud services into the enterprise service agreements that we have. And then phase two of that would be to start optimizing those environments so that we can get the cost savings that we're looking for. All right. So you answered one of my questions. <laughs> Multi-cloud, very important. That's a hot topic around the Defense Department. You probably know, you've probably heard maybe a little bit about something called JEDI and the concerns there. We won't ask you to comment on that, of course. But uh, the, so, so you guys are definitely doing multi-cloud, which is good. And then you mentioned potential uh, acquisition strategy, which is, uh, you know, I know a lot of vendors listen to the show, so let's get ahead of them so they don't call you 101 times. You probably get that anyways. But what are you guys doing about the acquisition strategy around the multi-cloud environment? Do, do you have a plan yet? How about that? We do have a plan, and we're, we're aggressively pushing that plan out. But to just speak a little more general about acquisitions, one of the things that we're doing in partnership with our acquisition shop from the C with a CIO shop and the acquisition shop is where we've spent a lot of time focusing on IT acquisitions at the department. How do we optimize that? You can't do IT differently or optimize IT at a federal agency today without optimizing how you do IT acquisitions. So that is a big push. It's part of our, our IT strategic plan. It is part of our, our, our uh, a number of goals that we have laid out over the next four years to to focus on on building um, an IT acquisition cadre at the department, understanding how how to optimize our acquisition vehicles so they can be leveraged 
across the department and of course look at the the government vehicles that are there that we can leverage to create that same kind of efficiency all right there's plenty to follow up we're going to take a quick break so we can give you a oh, take a breath my guest today is ken rogers the acting deputy cio for business management and planning at the state department i'm jason miller and you're listening to ask the cio sponsored by thundercat technology and netapp on federalnewsradio.com and 1500 a.m welcome back you're listening to ask the cio sponsored by thundercat technology and netapp on federalnewsradio.com and 1500 a.m i'm your host jason miller my guest today is ken rogers the acting deputy cio of business management and planning at the state department now, Ken, before break, you started talking about acquisition, which is one of my favorite topics. You answered a couple of my questions about the strategy around potential cloud and, and kind of how you guys are looking at going forward. And you mentioned a few other things, building a cadre of IT acquisition professionals. You talked about optimizing vehicles. Can you maybe go into that a little bit more about what your thought process is and where you are today, maybe where you want to go? In order to do IT well and deliver that as a service requires leveraging acquisitions and and optimizing how we do acquisitions at the department. And, and again, like, like our IT, our acquisitions for IT has been decentralized. So one of the first things that happened in FY17 is the senior leadership required the CIO shop to review and approve all IT acquisitions for the department. And, and this was no easy feat because this was launched in the about this time last year, a couple months before the end of the fiscal year. And at the last two months of fiscal year 18, we processed about 1,200 acquisitions for IT in the last two months of the fiscal year that required a, a whole new review process from the office of CIO. It actually worked. We didn't constrain resources getting out the door and programs getting funded and, and continued into the next fiscal year. And the administration has continued that that new governance process over acquisitions into FY18. Let me jump in because I got to interrupt you on this. Okay. 1,200 in two months. Is this all coming down on your office? Because as you said, you don't implement, you're, you're the planner, the strategy guy. Absolutely. And did you have to hire people? Did you bring in contractor help? Because I think it, it, a lot of CIO shops are facing this exact same thing. It would have been nice if we could have at the end of the fiscal year, but that, the, you know, the timing uh, required us to step up and make it happen. And that's what we did. And so we've now we've gone the full full year. We're approaching, you know, the tsunami at the end of the fiscal year. And one of the lessons learned from this is the last quarter of the fiscal year represents 75% of our acquisition action. So when you think of doing acquisition strategically or optimizing that process, how do you break that up over quarters so so you can have a a, a more thoughtful process, more deliberate process? with a workload distributed over the four quarters of the fiscal year. And so that's one of the things that we're, we're looking at. Second is, is how do I take what was thrust upon us in FY17 and, and automate that, incorporate that into our acquisition system and, and move that, that review process earlier into the acquisition lifecycle. So we are, we're looking at that. So one of the major tenets of our acquisition strategy is optimizing the way in which we review IT acquisitions, making sure they align up, they align to an IT investment in our, in our eGov process that we report out to OMB and the IT dashboard, and, and make sure that there is an acquisition strategy, a part of those investments that really articulate what they're doing. Hey, these are in line, they're part of an investment, that investment's healthy, and we're making the right decisions going forward. So that review process is critical 
optimizing that. And then once we really get that, that workflow down, automating as much of that as we can, so it punches out those at-risk investments that we can do greater due diligence on. Second area is then, as we're looking at vehicles, one of the organizations in, in, in my side of the, the house is, is strategic sourcing. We focus primarily on enterprise license agreements, and um, we have a number of those in place for some of our core systems. So how do I expand that? And one of the, the visibility that we have received at the end of, the, that we got from the end of the fiscal year 17 and throughout this year is there are a lot of software buys that we do, one off here, there, multiple organization buying the same software. So how do we accelerate our enterprise licensing agreement and get some economies of scale with those and eliminate some of the friction across the department in leveraging those that software capability? So that's been successful. It creates cost savings. Can I push that out to buying hardware if we have standards in place and then leveraging some of the cost savings with enterprise agreements that go beyond software. And, and hopefully you can stop buying the software if you're if that cloud strategy comes Absolutely. into play too, because you'll need less and less, if you will, the servers, the stuff that used to be in the data center, the routers, the switches and the like. And additionally, the way the, the laptops and desktops are happening now nowadays and tablets, those refreshes don't seem to happen as often as they once did. It's, at least that's the way my perception is. Yeah, I would I would agree. I think there's still a requirement to buy, you know, hardware refresh and so Printers, forth. there's and, always going to be that need. You know, absolutely. so but it brings in another issue to bear is that supply chain and we we absolutely have to get our arms around that from a a government-wide perspective. We all have the same issue and of of making sure we're getting equipment that we can put onto our environments and leverage it knowing that the supply chain is secure and bringing us the right products that we can leverage. It makes absolutely no sense for every agency across the federal government to have to validate purchases or equipment that's being bought off contract and build their own supply chain analysis, or at least, you know, 80% do the 80, 20 rule. Um, so you do, you can do that at the agency level with a smaller lift. So how do we bake that into vehicles? You know, some of the ways that DOD has done, with their, you know, supply chain making, uh, working with industry to make that kind of thing happen. In fact, I just did an interview with the folks at the Defense Logistics Agency about their supply chain. Fascinating interview, I'll say so myself. So uh, <laughs> I will recommend that to our listeners who are interested in supply chain. It's one of the most fascinating and hottest topics going around. One other thing about acquisition, let me just bring us back around to, is when you talk about automating acquisition, the, the automating process, I'm not sure how far along you are into it, but is it there, there are certain things that every acquisition must go through that you could say, okay, can we get, well, here's the here's the buzzword, machine learning, AI to kind of step in and, and do that, and then only flags when there's a potential issue or problem, or Ken Rogers just has to get that last sign off. But if if the machine tells me everything else is right, I can do a quick look and then hit the approve button and move on. Is that the sense? Yeah, the latter. How do we optimize that decision making process if you've if you've met all this criteria? You, your procurement is approved based on the standards expected of an IT acquisition. Kind of a third area of our, our IT acquisition modernization effort is, is the acquisition an IT acquisition, yes or no? And if yes, do I have the right language in that acquisition that, that allows me to see what is being spent, bought, how, security, all the stuff baked in? If it's not, 
then can we put a clause into a vehicle that says IT is not allowable on this contract? A, a lot of what happens, which, which decreases our visibility in what's being purchased, is when software or hardware is bought through ODCs, other direct costs, on a vehicle that's a services contract not identified as IT. So we lose visibility. And, 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 and this isn't big brother watching. It is you can't manage what you can't measure. You can't measure what you can't see. So let's know what we have, know what we're using, and manage that in a way that lowers our costs over time. And, and that gets into the whole Fatara Megabyte Act and software um, you know, monitoring. We know what we, for the most part, we have good records of what we have, but how do I manage that usage, that next tier, to strengthen our position with, with how we're using resources for, for software? But to your point, um, a lot of this changes as we move to the cloud and pay by the drink and do that central service offering of, of cloud. This is, could take us down a whole path of IoT, inter, interconnected devices, but I'm going to take us down a different path instead. Okay. You mentioned earlier that over the 2017, 2018, the State Department and the CIO's office has really looked at, okay, where are we now and where do we need to go? And you mentioned cloud, multi-cloud as, as one area of focus. What are some other things that came up during that review? You also, you guys also did a survey of, of the State Department and asked, how, how are we doing? So maybe start there. So the survey that we did in FY17 really focused on asking a set of questions about modernizing, redesigning and modernizing the Department of State. We had approximately 35,000 respondees from across the state. These are foreign service, civil service, domestic, overseas. Great response. And one of the top issues that came out was identifying some of the weakness of how IT is being done, delivered, and the ability to utilize modern technology. As a result of that, and there were a number of other issues that came out of that acquisitions. One of those, we're not trying to bite off the whole acquisition apple, just focusing on, on IT acquisition, but focusing on the IT piece as a result of the survey and a listening tour of a couple hundred interviews with employees across the department, we identified a set of redesign initiatives around three core areas, simplifying access into the systems, collaboration, and then improving governance so that improving IT governance so that we can move towards modernization in a, in a more agile way. And from that redesign effort, a number of flagship initiatives, projects resulted from that, which really define out our 18, 19, and 20 IT kind of early quick wins of, of IT modernization, all of which has been rolled into an update to our IT strategic plan, which will hopefully be finalized at the end of this month. We're currently going through a department-wide review of that, and um, we'll be presenting that, the final for senior leadership to approve so that it will provide the department, the bureaus, IRM as well, uh, a set of goals and objectives with some pretty aggressive IT modernization benchmark goals that we we hope to achieve. So I can pause there if you have a few questions on that, and then I can go into what is, is in the new IT strategic plan coming forward. So instead, we're going to take a break and leave okay. a cliffhanger and make sure the audience comes back to hear what's in the IT strategic plan. So we're going to take a quick break. My guest is Ken Rogers, the Acting Deputy CIO of Business Management and Planning at the State Department. I'm Jason Miller, and you're listening to Ask the CIO, sponsored by Thundercat Technology and NetApp on federalnewsradio.com and 1500 AM. Station to 
Welcome back. You're listening to Ask the CIO, sponsored by Thundercat Technology and NetApp on federalnewsradio.com and 1500 AM. I'm your host, Jason Miller. My guest today is Ken Rogers, the acting deputy CIO for business management and planning at the State Department. Now, Ken, right before break, you left us on a cliffhanger. You said we're working on a new IT strategic plan. And then you said, well, I can even tell you what's in it. And I said, stop, hold on, we're going to take a break. But now we're back from that break. Give me some highlights about the strategic plan. At the kind of the centerpiece of the plan, we've talked about that already, IT modernization. How do we take our legacy systems, bring them into the 21st century, leverage modern technology? A lot of that requires uh, re-looking at our infrastructure. A second piece of of that is a user experience. So how do we do IT differently requires us to look at the user experience, especially as the user experience of most uh, most folks out there continues to get refined in their personal lives with optimized capabilities built on devices that are native that really allow our, our customers to have that streamlined experience. So how do we attend to the user experience and make sure we're refining that going forward. And as we as we move up the stack and push a lot of our capability into the cloud and focus on that SaaS layer, I've got to relook at my IT governance. So if I can deploy an app or a capability or an application in a cloud environment in days or weeks, but it takes me to do a review a project three months or six months and to do an acquisition that takes another 18 months, and then to do an ATO or an ANA for the security of that, uh, maybe all concurrent, I can have the capability done in weeks, and then I can approve that capability in months. That makes absolutely no sense. So how do we, how do we take a, a, a fresh look at governance so that it's keeping the pace of the digital age? That really kind of represents what we're doing on the inside. It really requires significant amount of re-engineering, restructuring. We're not doing the organizational changes at this point, but at some point as we refine these processes, we'll look at the organization as well. So our IT strategy is bookended by data as a strategic asset at the front of the strategy and IT workforce of the future at the back end of the strategy. Two critical pieces that we have to get our arms around. So one of the great opportunities of of IT modernization and pivoting from an on-prem environment to an in-the-cloud environment is a real opportunity to deep dive look at our data, understand what we have, understand its useful life, and, and structure it in a way for us to be able to leverage it with modern data analytic tools. We have to do this. And transitioning modernization to a new environment is a perfect time to do it. So the other major paradigm shift that we have to consider is our, our, our IT workforce. And so we've we really paid a lot of attention to look at what is the workforce of the future that we need and, and how do we retain them? How do we uh, recruit them, retain them? And are we getting the right skills? So we have done a, a pretty significant capability studies for foreign service and civil service. But in terms of our workforce, that obviously includes our, our contractor workforce as well. So I can talk about that later. So those are the kind of the, the major tenets of our IT strategic plan. No, probably no surprises, but um, we are we're committed to really driving change through these goal areas. And of course, surprisingly, they align up really well with the president's management agenda. I was thinking that same thing. So I know the IT strategic plan will come out soon. This is something to look for and follow up with you. Let's start the data conversation. I know you mentioned that earlier in the program. 
And one of the things you talked about is with the move to the cloud, with the changing view of, of how the user experience is, is, is really looked at by the agency, everything comes back to data, right? We've been saying that for more than a decade now. Now it's all about the data. Talk a little bit about how the State Department's data strategy fits in with this IT modernization strategy as well. One of the key tenets of our cloud strategy is data-driven hosting. And, and that requires a maturing process of data categorization, understanding the, the proper security controls that need to be about around that data. And that, that set of decisions really driving how and where we host that data. Uh, a a multi-cloud platform creates a great opportunity to prevent vendor lock-in, but it creates an increased complexity on how we're managing our data. As we move into this next phase of our, our cloud strategy, we need to really think through how is our data being architected, what kind of APIs are there, what can stay where it is and what needs to be aggregated so it can be leveraged with um, modern BI tools or data analytic tools and, and used really in, in a meaningful way in making decisions that are critical to our de uh, dipl diplomatic and development mission. Well, let me jump in real quick sure. and take a breath. Maybe talk a little about the complexity of that multi-cloud environment and data. Is it because data lives on cloud X and, and, and data also can live on cloud Y and data also can live on cloud Z? And a diplomat, a foreign service officer, has to get all that data and they don't care where it is, but how do they ensure that they're, they're pulling from that lake, if you will? The end user shouldn't need to have to worry about what's under the waterline. But in order for the data to be meaningful to the end user, a lot of attention needs to be paid to what is un underneath the waterline. So where is it sitting? How is it structured? How, how are we making it interoperable? What kind of standards and policies exist around it? What security controls are put in place? And then how are we normalizing it? The you know, concept we're kicking around is you know, normalization and ingest. Can we limit the degradation of data as we capture it in systems across the department so there's less normalization that needs to be done behind the scenes there's still going to be the purification of the data still needs to happen as well so all that would fall under the bucket of data management in this complex environment and then serving that up and making it available not necessarily in an, in an aggregated form some could be but it's it's really more of an issue of accessing that data Another one of our big initiatives around that that is is kind of around the security issue, the creating some simplicity around around the user experience and around the data is our identity management system. Really looking at data level uh, security and and incorporating all of the system data into uh, a centralized IDMS for the department, and then credentialing users based on roles an access level on what they can see, touch, and, and leverage for who they are and what position they're in. This kind of uh, approach allows me, based on my credentials, to leverage a, a data analytic tool to reach in and access the data I need to make that decision. We also have to pay attention with that as we pull data from multiple data sources or the data lake and aggregate that up for a view What's happening to that data? Is there, is there an effect on that data that's increasing the categorization of that data or the classification of that data that needs higher level controls? So then that's, so that's a huge area of complexity that we have to look at as we make data more accessible on a need to know, need to share basis 
and thinking that through from an enterprise-wide perspective. One of the things you brought up is the security side, and I think we'll go down there in a second. But before we, we talk security, the data side of it, are you guys looking at specific tools or any tools that you, you have today that maybe you like more of or less of? Or are there certain tools or certain capabilities that we don't just talk specific tools, obviously, but any capabilities that you'd say, here's where we need to drive toward and we're looking at, at certain vendors? Or, or specifically, we're looking for vendors to provide that. Looking at how in, a, in our new, I'll call it multi-platform hybrid, because we still have our, our on-prem data centers, they will be far smaller over the course of the next four years, but there's still probably a set of requirements that would require high-value assets to be in an on-prem environment. So the data portal, if you will, really needs to encompass that whole clouded state hybrid ecosystem and and pull that data together in a meaningful way. So there's how do you store it and in, in interoperate it so it can be accessible. So there are a whole host of tools that can optimize that and, and various infrastructure platforms bring to bear analytic tools that, that provide access to data and we're exploring those for a best value solution for the department and and a and a good acquisition term to to consider cost is a piece of that but performance and capability is also a piece of that as well and we're looking at that and then as you move up the stack to the tip of the iceberg above the waterline what are the analytical tools that are out there that really that we will you be using to to mine that the data fields that we have and so we we have you know the the next you know, religious war over the software platform that we're going to have. We half a dozen, a dozen, I don't know the exact number, but we have a number of BI tools currently deployed in a decentralized fashion across the department. So how do we identify, we will be looking at how do we identify the right tools that really bring the most value to the department at that BI level. Again, we're not picking any one product or another, but defining that through a requirements set of, of decision-making what are the needs, what are our requirements, and what tools best meet that, and then go out to the marketplace and identify how do we do that going forward with the right acquisition vehicle. A lot of work to be done in, in this space. And I know it goes back to the centralization versus decentralization Absolutely. discussion, too. Ken, let's take another quick break. When we come back, we can finish up our conversation, starting off maybe with a little bit of cybersecurity. My guest today is Ken Rogers, the acting deputy CIO of business management and planning at the State Department. I'm Jason Miller. You're listening to Ask the CIO. Welcome back. You're listening to Ask the CIO, sponsored by Thundercat Technology and NetApp on federalnewsradio.com and 1500 AM. I'm your host, Jason Miller. My guest today is Ken Rogers, the Acting Deputy CIO of Business Management and Planning at the State Department. Ken, before break, we were talking about data and, and the importance of getting data accessible and making sure people can get through the complexity of a potential multi-cloud approach. But the most important thing about data, of course, is security, and you brought that up a little bit. So let's start with security. And one of my favorite topics in the government is the continuous diagnostics and mitigation, the CDM program. Uh, in many ways, the State Department was the reason why we have CDM today. Maybe give us an update of how you guys are doing around security, specifically around CDM. I'll back up a little bit on our security. We're, we're really looking at our data security, infrastructure security, and our cloud security. So what we're doing in the cloud as we build this ecosystem is, is securing those environments. So as we add capability into the cloud, uh, those that SaaS layer capability is leveraging the security controls already in place. This is really critical to decrease that threat vector, increase the security controls, or 
putting the right security controls for those platforms and decreasing the need for each capability to do their own thing on security, really creating some cost efficiencies of how we're securing our data, leveraging that in the, in the cloud in, environment, inheriting the, those, control, those controls. So what that means is when I add a new capability, I do an assessment of that data going into that environment, and I do a notice of change into that, that ATO for that environment, and, and I've really increased time to market while guaranteeing control of, of the data, securing the, the data that's there. Uh, we continued to expand on our, our CDM program, uh, monitoring, uh, identifying our risk, and making sure that we have the right tools in place to do that. So, and, and that kind of ties into uh, a lot of what we're doing in partnership with DHS is looking at our trusted internet connection. One of the biggest challenges we have is in compliance with that program is backhauling our data through the current you know, legacy TIC infrastructure and then trying to maintain some level of performance for our customers in 190 or so locations around the globe. So how do we move in, into the 21st century in terms of that monitoring and, and making sure things are operating in the right way across our, our global network environment? And so that requires us looking at what kind of monitoring capability do our cloud service providers have and focusing with bated breath, of course, on new guidance from OMB, on how, how we can leverage tools that are out there to create a better user experience, improve performance across the department globally, and, and monitor the traffic and the business that's happening across our environment. You bring up the tick and the new policy from OMB. We, too, in the media are waiting for OMB to deliver on that new policy, hopefully soon, the ubiquitous soon in government. Maybe talk a little bit about the communications you're having with DHS and what kind of conversations are you having. I know we, we know that the Small Business Administration did a tick pilot. I know several other agencies have done a tick pilot. What are you hoping to gain from those experiences and from your work with DHS? We're a part of pushing a pilot into the MGT Act. Um, we're glad there are... I think three initiatives currently underway for modernizing the tick, and we're really looking to how those new pilots could create a value proposition for the department, leverage some of the existing capabilities as a service. We continue to work closely with DHS and have those conversations about an overseas tick or uh, you know cloud integrated tick or a regional tick. Um, there are a number of ways to slice that, and so of course we're looking to how we can leverage what's coming out of the this next round of of pilots. We absolutely have to address this from a global perspective. Uh, we've had numerous conversations with DOD as well on how they have structured their environment around the globe. Uh, so they're a good partner providing best practices that we can leverage as we explore how we're going to deploy our network, our global network, which in fact does provide that access and capability to a whole of government approach for, for those agencies that are on location in, with us overseas. I know there'll be plenty more to talk about as we as we head into the fall, so we'll follow up more with you on that. The other piece of cyber that you mentioned is risk, and I want to go down that path a little bit because understanding your risks has been a big focus area from OMB, from DHS. So maybe talk a little bit about risk-based approach you guys are taking to balance security, access, mission, and all those needs, specifically cloud data as it relates back to the cloud and data. We have launched this year a uh, risk management program that's tied into the the, the broader enterprise risk management program. We've got the cyber piece under the office of CIO. And so we're building out a framework for 
leveraging a lot of what NIST has done for that risk management uh, approach. There are kind of three tenets, though, when you look at cyber risk. There's the investment side of cyber, there's the mission or performance side of cyber, and then there's the security side of cyber. If if you lock down your your systems and capability to the extent that the user can't use it for their mission, they'll find less secure ways of doing it. So how do we balance that out and make sure we have a holistic look at our systems, our investments, and the security controls that we're putting in place so we have an overarching risk posture that we're managing to at, at all levels uh, of the organization so that we can make informed IT decisions about the, the kind of technology we're leveraging and how we're leveraging that. I already mentioned you know, the supply chain issue. That's a big piece of, of addressing risk as we move forward with the, the hardware and software buys that we do. And there's obviously a need to continue to do that. All right, Ken, a lot going on to really appreciate your time today, but unfortunately we are out of time. Let me thank my guest, Ken Rogers, the Acting Deputy Chief Information Officer for Business Management and Planning at the State Department. Ken, thank you so much for taking the time today. Glad to be here. Thank you. I'm Jason Miller, and you've been listening to Ask the CIO, sponsored by Thundercat Technology and NetApp on federalnewsradio.com, 1500 AM. For more on this discussion, visit askthecio.com. You've been listening to Ask the Chief Information Officer on federalnewsradio.com and 1500 AM. Subscribe to this show on Podcast One or iTunes. 